And with that, we are back on the One Giant Podcast, as always, talking all things New York football giants. And we come out of the Combine weekend. We obviously have a number of positions to break down here. And on day two, having already covered some of our day one conversation with Andy, day two brought running backs and offensive linemen. And obviously, from the New York football Giants standpoint, our biggest concern or biggest focus is going to be across that offensive line, trying to figure out, do do one of these tackles warrant being taken at the fourth overall pick? All these trade scenarios swirling around. If they were to back down there in the first round, will they still get one of these considered top four prospects? Are there some players in behind them that could be taken either later in the first round, depending on trade partners, such as the Jaguars, a 9 and a 20 available, or 12 and 19 from the Las Vegas Raiders, excuse me. So there's going to be some options there potentially in trade partners. And then there's some of the smaller moves, uh, like the Chargers maybe coming up from six to four to make sure that they get the quarterback that they're after. Uh, you, You know, so depending on how that plays out, it's going to dictate where the Giants feel they fall and what needs they can fill. If they fall out of that first group of players across the offensive line, are there guys that we think are strong enough in behind them, top of the second, and then obviously uh, going into that third round, our compensatory pick and down the line uh, that could potentially come in and learn and, and grow into a position on the Giants line? Now, objectively, you know that Nate Soldier played incredibly poorly this past season, so left tackle is the glaring need there. We know that we had Remmers, but he's going to be gone, so you have a complete empty hole there at right tackle. Now, Gates is on this roster. We obviously, uh, we, we talked about him down the stretch of last season. I thought that he played very well. Now, he, he's a guy that's given the Giants depth across their offensive line. So he's been able to plug in at a number of different positions based on injuries. So you do like having that flexibility in him. But I think solely at the tackle position, he showed you enough, had enough reps there uh, due to injuries that he can or at least is deserving of an opportunity to compete for that right tackle, a starting position. Now, the issue here, as Andy and I have talked about, is you know what, what is the is the solution or what's the plan of attack for the Giants if you draft one of these top guys? And we'll go through some of their numbers, but say you end up with Andrew Thomas, are you plugging him in to come in and compete with Nate Soldier for the starting left tackle position? And if he beats him out, that's it. Maybe, as Andy said, does Nate Soldier swing around and have an opportunity at right tackle where Gates can possibly beat him out to get the starting role and we end up with one of the most expensive backups across the offensive line in the league. And frankly, I'd be fine with that because it just means that the best player has been given the opportunity to win the starting job and take it over and there's no favoritism being provided to a player based on contract or you know being a veteran or now with Joe Judge as our head coach obviously a previous connection with Nate Soldier so you know understanding what the Giants are going to do with with the player that they take we know that Becton and Thomas represent the two players uh, across the line here in the draft that have played at both left and right tackle at the college level so you have a little bit more to go on there Mekhi Becton, or, or Mekhi Becton, depending on the pronunciation you go with, absolutely blew things out of the water at 370 and just crushing it on his 40-yard dash, though he and Thomas were both on the lower end in terms of bench reps, 23 for Becton, only 21 for Thomas. 
And this is one of those weird things that, you know, Andy and I had talked about on uh, the, the previous podcast when, it, when he said, you know, Joe Burrow and uh, those small hands of his. My God, will he ever be able to throw the football? I think the same thing can be said here, right? You take a look at these reps and you say, boy, you know, does, does he have the strength? But you go back and watch the tape on a guy like Thomas, and by the way, through the drills, just so technically sound in his game and his approach, and very even and balanced going either direction. You know, some of these players, when you talk about the shuck drills where you want them to move side to side, and they want to see just that level of mobility and getting yourself going from one direction to another, you can see the stronger side for these players because their off foot going the other way on their weaker foot uh, drags a little bit. They're trying to, you know, make it across and make these moves without necessarily going through proper technique. A guy like Thomas, boy, he showed balance up and down, no matter which it was moving left or right, had a very methodical approach to it. And I, and I think from that standpoint, he does represent the most sure thing, let's say, at the, especially the tackle position. Now, a guy that had a huge combine for himself and, and definitely improved his stock is Andy Makowitz's favorite, and that's Tristan Wirfs. Now, all the rumors about him, though, are that he can be a solid and a well, you know, well above average potentially tackle at the NFL level, but that he would be an absolutely dominant performer if he gets kicked inside to a guard position. So, from a Giants standpoint, I don't think you know you have to kind of take him out of the rotation of players that you're considering there, especially at the top end of the draft. And then, even if you were to trade down and have an additional asset in the first round, I don't think you're going to take it on a player that you maybe feel is best suited to be on the interior of the line. You know, you're going to plug him in there at right tackle and say that's going to be his space, and we're not going to risk him at left tackle possibly. So there's a little bit of variables there, but I thought that he performed absolutely phenomenal at the combine and maybe did enough to certainly move the needle when you talk about bringing him into a team that has open holes at guard position and a tackle so that you can work him through the process in the offseason training camp and just see where he best fits and if he plays to the level where he's deserving of starting a tackle fantastic but knowing that you also have a hole that he can fill on the inside for the Giants, unfortunately, or fortunately for us, we have Zeitler there uh, at the right guard position who performed very well for us, our best offensive lineman this past season. And then obviously you have young Will Hernandez who had some struggles, but I think obviously only going in to year number three now, this will be when you want to see him make that big step forward. And oh, by the way, assuming that we bring in a new center and a new left tackle, potentially, you would like to think that surrounding him with better talent is also going to help him improve his game. So, you know, some of the best performers here at the combine, whether it's across the line or at other positions, unfortunately, kind of don't necessarily fill our needs the way we need to. Now, Andy and I talked about it on a previous episode as well. The center position is obviously uh, an area of need. I think that it's maybe a bigger area of need than Andy assesses it to be from from two standpoints. I think, and we'll find out from him uh, when we get together tomorrow for our next episode, but, you know, neither Halapio or Pulley does it for me here. And I know you can say that they're serviceable and maybe you want to bring, you want to have one of them there uh, in this upcoming season, just someone who had, who does have starting reps. And obviously you'll, you'll know what they are if you needed to go to them. But for me, I'd like to see us clean house here uh, at the center position. 
Now, I do agree with Andy after going through some of these some of these combines and as well as just looking over the, the notes and the scouting on the center position. Obviously, a player like Cesar Ruiz absolutely destroyed it at the combine for himself, plays with it with a nastiness, and you saw it in the drills, 28 reps on the bench. So he put some really good film on tape, as they say, and I think he's improved his stock. But I agree with Andy now that going there, even the third round compensatory pick might be a little bit early, especially more importantly about when you have the needs that you have across the roster for the Giants. So you want to be able to plug in a player at edge rusher, at linebacker, maybe at safety at some point, at cornerback. You're talking about tight end, offensive tackle, center, you know, all of all of these needs. So you can't necessarily get there even at the compensatory pick at the back end of the third round and say, the value of taking a center here outweighs what I can get, especially at linebacker or maybe at edge rusher, where not only are you going to need to get one possibly in the first or second round, depending on how things shake out, but you're going to want to supplement that again. So these things are all, of course, going to kind of have that domino effect in terms of where the Giants board shifts to. But unlike Andy, I can look out there in free agency and say, if you want to go get McGovern uh, from Denver there and bring in a player who's 26 years old, has shown improvement year in and year out, now you're talking about a guy who may cost you $10 million a year, but you know exactly what you're going to get. You can pair him right there in the middle of things between Hernandez and Zeitler, and now you talk about bringing an offensive tackle somewhere through the draft, and you see how four-fifths of your line can start to be going in the right direction here where you feel a lot more confident and stronger about it just from a talent standpoint and then also because you're going to get younger uh, through the draft and you feel like the future is brighter, right? Same thing like Will Hernandez, continue to develop and build this guy unlike some of these patch and repair jobs that we've seen from the Giants in years past where you're really taking a flyer on a guy that's kind of coming off the scrap heap, plays okay some games, gets absolutely destroyed in others, and you just don't have that sense of balance and reliability uh, across the board. Now, if the Giants don't address center in the offseason, as free agency will get underway here uh, coming up uh, on the 15th of March, Daryl Williams is another guy that I had mentioned to Andy. Center, he's listed as a guard right now, guard slash center. They think that he has all the tools and skills to kick inside uh, to the middle of the line, excuse me, and become a center at the NFL level. He put great film on tape as well. Only had 23 reps uh, you know, on, on the bench, but again, usually you think as you go from outside to inside, the, the strength is a little bit less of a necessity and not necessarily one of those attributes that you're highly focused on. But, you know, listen, ran a, a 5-2-8-40. That was good for a fourth overall there. I, I think this is a player that you talk about fourth, fifth round selection here that can come in and I believe will compete and start at center for you if you don't have you know an established veteran or someone else that you're looking to. But if you put even, let's say, Jalapio, Pulley, and then you draft Williams and you put them into, into this training camp, I think that Williams comes out there as the starter because he's the best player. And while I didn't think that Jalapio had a good previous season, it would still be an improvement, and you know that this player is going to continue to grow. So he's a guy that I keep an eye on as I work through here as well. You also take a look at Calvin Throckmorton. I thought that he had a nice uh, combine for himself overall. Again, a guy that's going to fall maybe into that three to five round range. You'll be curious to see where that lands. I think that even if the Giants take a uh, an offensive tackle in the first round, you may see them dip back into that line pool again and just bring in some extra talent. Obviously, free agency is going to play a big part in this, but you know Conklin is going to have a lot of suitors. No matter what you think about him and whether or not he's worth you know quote the price tag that it's going to take to get him in the door, 
if we don't end up signing him, now you again open this up and you start to wonder how are we going to make sure that we have competition across all of these positions. Now we know we have we know we have Gates and we know that he put good tape on film this past season. He had a lot of depth, played at a lot of different positions due to injury for us. I think that he's worthy of getting an opportunity to come into camp and compete and have a chance to win outright that right tackle position. So that's a factor that probably has to weigh in to Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman's mind. You also think about how last year the Giants also drafted drafted Asafo Adaje, you know, had an injury last year, so didn't get a chance to play. He's going to come back in and be available as well. Now, I would kind of view him theoretically, let's say that Gates comes up and, and he's given the opportunity to start at right tackle. Now you think about Adage as being that backup swing tackle to be able to throw in there uh, at both sides of the line if you needed to in a pinch. Doesn't mean it's ideal, but you know, coming out of college, developmental player, the Giants were high on him and thought that they got a potential steal there and a guy that could develop into a solid backup. So you have to throw him into the mix just in terms of how you want this line to shape out. And it's just going to be interesting to see where the Giants place the highest value. And then on top of which, because you think about some of these other tackles in Austin Jackson, you know, uh, Josh Jones is going to be out there as well. Where do the Giants look when they talk about those top four offensive tackles? And frankly, I I would move it to three because, as you say, worst is maybe going to be a guy that kicks inside. And that's going to have his draft stock drop a little bit, not in terms of the quality of his play, but just where he'll get taken in that first round. So if you're thinking about Wills and Beckton and Thomas, you know, these big three names that you're looking at for your offensive line and specifically the tackle position, if you trade down with the Jaguars, with the Raiders, uh, you know, even the Colts are possibly in this mix here. And by doing that, you put yourself in a position where you'll get a first round selection back from them and then also a second, third and fourth potentially, but you'll only have one move to make there at 13. And the question will be, If you fall out of those first initial wave of tackles and you're sitting there at 13, if it's the Raiders, you're sitting there at 12, you know, the Jaguars, you can maybe still grab one of them at nine if that was on the table. But once you follow those first top 10 groupings, do you want to reach back for for a Jackson, for a Jones, guys that are really projected more in that late first round area? Or are you going to go best player available, most likely find yourself on the defensive side of the ball, and now this kicks back? Now you're at the top of the second round and you're looking at names and seeing who's going to be available. So, you know, uh, Wananogo, who I was big on as well, he had his injury, uh, knee injury that was looked at. He will put something on tape for, uh, you know, teams to have a look at, but it's not going to come until April uh, because he's going to be recovering from that. So no pro day for him or, or the pro day will come, you know, a couple weeks before the draft. He can solidify himself and maybe kick it up a little bit. And depending on he, how he looks, there's some potential that that second pick at four could be an option there. And then again, if you maybe found yourself with a trade partner like the Indianapolis Colts, although speculation is you could see uh, Phillip Rivers going there. If they were a trade partner for a quarterback, now you're talking about also having a mid-second round pick, mid-third, mid-fourth, and that's where you can double down here and say, I like this tackle here. We couldn't risk maybe a uh, Xavier McKinney falling to us at the top of the second round or some of the cornerbacks that are going to be there uh, that we'll also get into as well with some of our uh, combine coverage. I can't risk not taking one of those players with my only second round pick. But if I have two now, 
Now I can start to say, can I check off multiple boxes here in both the second and the third and the fourth rounds? And that's how the Giants can potentially fill out this roster. So when I come out of this here, as far as the offensive tackles are concerned, I take a look. I think that, you know, Thomas showed that he's a technician. Obviously, we highlighted Wirfs and just really the all-around game that he presents. And I thought that Mekhi Becton also, for his size, you got to remember, 370 pounds here. This guy showed great fluidity and movement. I think that he's a player that is certainly rising up. A lot of rumors are about that the Giants are very high on him. Is it fourth overall pick-worthy? Or are they going to look to maybe move themselves down just slightly and give themselves a chance to still get a high talent at the tackle position? So a lot of excitement there. I thought all these players really overall, as they said at the Combine, you know, covering on the NFL Network, just a ton of athleticism and talent at that position. So there is going to be options. It's just going to be a question of how do the Giants rank out these players and how will they look to put together their draft board after, of course, the free agency period, which will start to shift some of these needs around as well. Now, the other position on display here that we want to touch on, of course, is running back. Far less important from a Giants perspective, but the reality is you, you are still talking about needing a, a backup for Saquon Barkley. We obviously know that he dealt with some injuries this past season, and when Wayne Gallman was given the opportunity, while he could perform at times well and then also put some bad tape out there for you, he also dealt with injuries of his own. So, you know, you, you want to have reliability and consistency, and I think that the Giants at the back end of this draft can, can get themselves a quality player that will be able to spell Saquon Barkley when needed and also be reliable and consistent in an area outside of running, which is, of course, pass protection. So, you know, a lot of guys come out here in this combine and, and really look strong for themselves. I thought that uh, LaMichael Perrine out of Florida, he really looked fluid, projected to go in that third to fourth round kind of area. He really uh, elevated his draft stock for himself. Obviously, the top-end guys, Players like Swift, these these aren't guys that you really think are going to do themselves much damage. I thought that uh, Moss also looked pretty good there. Zach Moss out of Utah. I had mentioned him previously in one of our uh, mock draft scenarios, our first mock draft scenario with Andy, where it felt like at the time in the draft, the value was there, you take him. And then it really is, I think, just the excitement of the moment. You, you back up and you say, boy, I'd be hard-pressed to see the Giants looking to that position Really, anything before, even the top of the fourth round, is probably too soon for the Giants to be considering it unless they've somehow knocked it out of the park in free agency and in those first three rounds, uh, with or without trades, that you all of a sudden say, oh, we, we don't have anything else here. Running back all of a sudden becomes massively important or this talent is so high, but I just don't see that being the case. I figure top of the fifth round and behind is where you can really look to make some headway at this position and still bring in a quality player. We know that the running back position has, from a perception standpoint, been devalued, but from, from a Giants perspective, it goes back again to protecting Daniel Jones and providing him with time to look downfield and make the best play available. And that means, as we saw, dealing with injuries, Barkley had a hard time uh, in pass protection. Now, again, I think that's purely based on the injuries he dealt with. But when he needs to get spelled, you want to know that you're bringing someone in that is going to provide Daniel Jones with high-level protection behind the offensive line to make sure that he's going to have every opportunity to look downfield and find his weapons. 
players as I rolled through the the combine here mentioned Perrine I thought Vaughn looked good but not necessarily special uh, you know three to five round uh, you know projection there for him Joshua Kelly a lot of people were high on him 511 214 so I think he he had a nice combine for himself as well but as I work my way through having said you know these are guys that are saying three to five three to five now if they fall to five then all these guys are on the table. JJ Taylor, another player that I thought had a really strong combine, just five foot six, 185 pounds. Now this would go away a little bit from what I think the Giants would be best suited to do here in this scenario. But he's a player that if at the top of the fifth round, for some reason he was there, I think you'd be excited to take him uh, because he is kind of that Tyree Cohen scenario where you get this little scat back out of the backfield, get him in space, utilize uh, his speed and quickness off, uh, off on the edge. But does it complement Saquon Barkley and what he does for you? Probably not. Doesn't mean he's not talented, uh, but certainly not someone that I think you need to go all in on. Uh, N.O. Benjamin was another player that I thought didn't hurt himself, but didn't necessarily uh, solidify his his value when it comes to the draft. A.J. Dillon was a player that uh, Andy Makowitz was pretty high on, has some injury concerns, but I think is a, a bit of a bull runner there with a six foot 245 size on him. So he can certainly move the needle for himself. And, and they, you know, you think about him in that running back, fullback, H-back kind of role. Potentially, this is a guy that can move out there and get alongside of a tight end, provide extra blocking again. So, you know, there's some flexibility in him. And depending on where he fell, uh, that could certainly be an option uh, for the Giants as well. The name that I wanted to get down on here, and I had to scroll a little bit away to get there, there's a couple of them. I thought Tony Jones Jr. did okay for himself here out of Notre Dame, four to six round. But the big one for me is, and I, I can even mention LeMay out of uh, Charlotte, I thought that he had a nice combine. This is a guy that's four to six round in terms of draft prospect, but I, but I really think that on that back end, you talk about getting the fifth and sixth round, quality selection that can have an impact at the NFL level. And we know that about running backs especially, right? The depth there... The way that they get ranked and how they fall in the draft and when the first one comes off the board and the discrepancy between the number one and number 15 ranked running back may not be as wide of a gap as we perceive. And it's just really a matter of are you a team that has nothing at running back or do you have something established already uh, that, that dictates how soon you want to dive into that pool and, and, you know, you can go back to that year and say, did the Giants make the mistake by taking Saquon Barkley? Well, you know, the reality is, is that they know what they have there for the next handful of years. They know that they have arguably the best running back in the NFL. And as you start to build it around, you follow up the next year and get your franchise quarterback. Now you think about patching up this defense and all of a sudden the, the running back, it doesn't look as bad a couple of years down the line as it did maybe in the moment. You can go back and argue or debate that. Uh, certainly that's for another day, but you have him now and you work down this list and you get to a, a projected fifth to seventh round. This is a guy I think you can get in the in the sixth round, potentially, maybe even the early seventh round. Remember, we have three picks there, and that is DJ Dallas out of Miami, 5'10", 215. Now, here's a player that has some strength, but you go back into his, you know, into his average numbers here. 2019, had 693 yards, eight touchdowns, uh, 14 receptions, 140 yards, and two scores through the air. Now, some people would say that he could have gone back to college for his senior year and maybe have built up his value a little bit, but I don't know how much that needle would swing for him. What I like about it is he's a pass blocker. 
He's a guy that you can set up alongside Daniel Jones when he's dropped back in the shotgun and allow him to go go ahead and step up, grab that linebacker coming through coming through on some of those blitz runs, pick up the off-edge tackler that's going to be coming in towards Daniel Jones and do a strong job. So if you're going to take Saquon Barkley off the field, I think priority one has to be that he's an effective blocker and can understand and learn the schemes that you want to run. Then phase two is going to be, has he shown you something, right? Has he given you enough in the run game on tape at college to say that we could put this guy in between the tackles and have him pick up a couple of tough yards for us? This is a player in Dallas who averaged six yards per carry. We said that 700 yards, which also means not a ton of tread on the tires. Maybe with those eight touchdowns, that gives you an opportunity to use him in some of those goal line scenarios. And I've said this before to Andy. I'll say it again here. I think what the Giants want to accomplish is getting a bigger bodied back that allows Saquon Barkley to run less between the tackles and get more out into space, whether it is through pitches or through pulling guards coming around the edge there on direct handoffs, and of course, having those swing passes out of the backfield as well from Daniel Jones. They want him to take less physical beating in between the tackles and then be able to utilize that power and speed out there on the edge. Obviously, we know he's the bell back, and you still want to see him getting 20-25 touches, but you can combine that through the air and on the ground, and then a player like Dallas, someone that you take at the back end of the draft, a value selection in the sixth round, he comes in, again, provides you depth for blocking, provides you a little bit of meat and size that can get between the tackles for you, and has shown enough in both the running and pass game at the college level that you feel comfortable having him spell Saquon Barkley. So that's one of the big names that I take a look at there as well in terms of a later round pick where I think the Giants are going to be in the market for a running back. You know, a guy like Leak out of Maryland, he's also a five to seven round kind of guy. I think that he had a nice combine for himself as well. Uh, moving down the list here, I just wanted to take one last look. James Robinson out of Illinois State, I thought he also uh, looked pretty good for himself. And you talk about uh, Dylan, by the way, who ran a four five eight forty. So you know, it's not these guys aren't slouches by any stretch, but they're obviously not speed backs for you, and that, and that's not what you're looking for when you talk about where they're coming in from a weight standpoint. One last name that I think I wanted to touch on down here, if I'm as I scroll through these last couple of lists here, and this is a guy that really does fall well onto the back back end of the draft. Chris Evans out of Michigan, I mean, he's a guy that I think you're going to get post-draft, maybe a priority for some of these teams to go out and sign him. Uh, but beyond that, oh, and Ahmed did do nice for himself out of Washington. Salvan Ahmed, 5'11", 196. Uh, you know, he had a nice 40, looked pretty strong in the drills as well. But for me, and we're going to start to fill out these big boards a little bit, I really thought that Dallas showed you everything that you wanted, knowing that he comes in as being a potential pass-blocking running back for you. He showed good quickness, nice hip flexibility, and really, I think, is worthy of a fifth, sixth round selection. And then if you want to go local, by the way, uh, Pete Guerrero out of Monmouth University, 5'10", 190. He's a back-end guy, probably someone you can get uh, after the draft in that priority free agency period. You know, 2019, this is a guy who gave you 6.7 yards per carry, nearly 2,000 yards, 18 touchdowns. Also gave you 32 receptions with 336 yards as well. So, you know, some of these names we talk about here, whether at running back or any of these positions, based on what school they played at, it does elevate their draft profile a little bit. So you have to kind of go inside, not just the teams that they played against, but also what do those skill sets really look like on tape to know whether or not 
you can maybe steal one of these guys in the later rounds and give yourself a quality selection. So there's the handful of names. Obviously, Dallas is the one that I'm kind of I'm kind of earmarking here and thinking he could be a real value selection for the Giants, but there's going to be a lot of talent at the back end. I think the most important thing for the Giants from a running back position is going to be getting someone that brings in a, you know, a skill set, a size that says I can run in between the tackles with power and strength, and I can also supplement the pass protection game when called upon when Saquon Barkley is out. That's the most important thing that the Giants can do here is fill additional needs and do it in a way that doesn't take away any more than you have to when you bring off your quality skill position. So if you're going to take Saquon off, you better be sure that the guy you bring in can help protect Daniel Jones. That'll do it for the offensive line and running back review that we wanted to dive on in on here. As I said, I'll be getting on with Andy Makowitz. Uh, this will be posting uh, today here, Monday, the, the 2nd of March already. And then tomorrow, Andy and I will come back. We'll just kind of do a little bit of broad stroke. I'll get some of his thoughts on any of the offensive linemen, any of these running backs as well, and there's general information around the New York football giants. That'll do it for Andy Makowitz. I am Adam Armbrecht. Thank you for checking in with us here on the One Giant Podcast. We will catch up with you soon. And as Andy would say, let's go Big Blue.